to Cup of Cubby Blue. You're the Cup Sign Dance Beast Swanson, and I have never been more grateful for Jed Hoyer's innate sense of caution as Carlos Correa chaos breaks out all over Major League Baseball home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, and you can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs, all of their signings. I write about continued shenanigans with the literal MLB baseball and more. And as always, I am joined by the one and only Danny Rocket. Danny, it is chaos out there on the social medias about baseball right now. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. You know, I'm I'm weathering the storm out, out here. I know people are, you know, pretty hot-headed about everything that's going on. It's because we don't have the daily churn of the season to keep us calm. It's just, it, it just, and there are shenanigans like the, well, I know we're going to talk about the Correa deal and the fact that, you know, Cubs finally did something, got off their duff and did something, but you know, I, everybody's, you know, hot and heavy. It's Christmas time. So it's like everybody's busy and they're rushing all around trying to get everything done. And uh, you know, it, either way, time marches on. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling calm, cool and collected myself, Sarah. So thanks for asking. <laughs> You're always calm, cool and collected, Danny. That's why, that's why we get along so well. I run hot, Danny runs bellow. It's, it's, it's a good combo. Yeah, right. Uh, let's start <laughs> with this. Dan- really- <laughs> well, mellow <laughs> might be the wrong word, but like, you don't like you panic less than I do. Let's just put it that way. Um, let's talk yeah. about this Dansby Swanson deal. Dansby Swanson is a Chicago cub. He signed for a seven year $177 million contract with the Cubs. I, I I said it when the deal happened. I like this deal. I like this deal for Dansby Swanson. I also think it is worth noting, this is the second largest contract the Cubs have ever signed in the history of the franchise. The largest contract is the Jason Hayward deal, which was eight years, $186 million, I believe. Danny, is this a big market deal in the year of our Lord, 2022, I would contest that it is a mid market deal, particularly when the Cardinals are literally paying Nolan Arenado more than this right now. Yes. That is after you subtract the $50 million they got from the Rockies. Yeah. I mean, it is a mid market deal in today's money, which, uh, you know, all things considered and, and compared, you know, look at what Correa got. It's, just about double this. So, um, in terms of years too. And, um, it's, it, the, I think it shocked us all kind of how this all went down. Um, it's, it's interesting to think that if the Cubs maybe had just gone in there and got their guy, like I wanted them to, they might've gotten Dansby Swanson for much less. You know, you're like Dansby, we've been looking at you. We love your stuff. Here's, uh, 148 million for seven years. Like maybe he was like, yeah, man, let's do it. Like before the market had been set, like if he had been the first domino to fall instead of the last, like I think Dom, I, I think Dansby made himself a big chunk of change just by how things took off. Yeah, I agree with that. I also think it is worth remembering that Dansby Swanson has one career year, like his, and it happened at a great time, right? Like you're going to have a career year, have it in your walk year and make some money and get paid. And I am all for baseball players getting paid. He's got a strong prospect pedigree. He's number one overall pick. The Diamondbacks picked him. He was traded to Atlanta in that absolutely ridiculous Shelby Miller, Ender and Ciarte, Dansby Swanson thing that like will hang around Tony LaRusso's neck forever. And look, I am here for bad things hanging around Tony LaRusso's neck. So that's fine. But like at the same time, we don't need to like, like Dan- Dansby Swanson's a solid player. He's just not, he's not a market moving superstar, right? Like he's not a he's solid. Yeah, he's solid. He's good. You like him. He's great. <laughs> like yeah. he makes the Cubs better. Does he make the Cubs a contender though? Because that is what we have been promised by this front office every season. No more rebuilds. We're going to have a competitive yeah. team. Danny, I watched you have a conversation with Tom Ricketts before last year promising a competitive team. And I just, does Dansby Swanson move the needle that much? No. And I don't think any of the shortstops would have, like, I think you could get Correa and you're still coming third, (laughs) you know, like it doesn't really matter. You've got to build around, you need upgrades in almost all positions. And I'd love to, and for whatever reason, the Cubs have a ridiculous 40 man roster crunch going on. 
of mediocrity. And I don't understand, you know, why it's, you, you know, you just got a lot of like replacement level players. Uh, the zips come out. Everybody's just like slightly above average one win, two win players. Um, you know, everybody's kind of firing on some cylinders. They have value as a, as a baseball player. They don't stink. Of course, they're great at baseball, but they're just not superstars and they're not going to even together make more than the sum of their parts, I think. And so it's like you look at your Patrick Wisdoms that are like one tool players or maybe two tools, you know, great guy, really like him as a person. I think he could be a great teammate on other teams, but he's not going to move the needle on anybody's team. Neither does Dansby Swanson. Um, unless you were just like one piece away, you were just like, you know, it's just, no, it's just not enough. You got rookies, you got an expiring hap. You've got a, a question mark in Bellinger. You've got Seiya Suzuki still learning the league. You've got a Nico Horner. Who's basically the same as Dansby Swanson. And like, it's n none of it. You need like at least two or three future Hall of Famers, you know, or two, two, not even three, <laughs> two, just huge. You need a Bryce Harper and a pitcher and the pitch. Don't get me started on the pitching. And you need like a pitcher at the front end who's just going to be nails all year long. And you don't have either of those superstar qualities in ever in anybody. Like who is the all star in next year's Cubs team? I mean, like, good in the 2023 All-Star game, who will be the All-Star? It's a great question. You, I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. And that is the issue is that there's not a name that's jumping out. Because otherwise, you'd be like, Sammy Sosa, you know, or like. <laughs> Anthony <laughs> Rizzo. Or, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, guys at Hobby, you know, they had nine uh, All-Stars in 2016. Yeah. And uh, we have trouble get, picking one out of here. Even though Dansby was one well, last year, so maybe well, he is it, but and so was Ian Happ. But like, we're we're gonna talk about the Zips projection in a minute, and I haven't even looked at the Cubs Twitter reaction to the Zips projection yet because honestly, I just can't, y'all. Like it, like the holidays are literal days away, and I have stuff to do and presents to wrap and things to take care of, and I haven't had time to dive into people freaking out about Zips. We'll we'll talk a little bit more about Zips in a second. Yeah. <laughs> well, but um, before we do, it's too early. Before we get to Zips, I, I want to talk about this Carlos Correa situation because I honestly cannot remember the last time this high of a profile player was signed, was ready to be announced, the press conference was canceled over medicals, and within 12 hours, 24 hours, was signed by another team. And I, I, I mean, this is just some... This is some old school chaos. I, I honestly don't remember anything like this. Maybe when everybody thought that Alex Rodriguez was going to get traded to the Red Sox and then the league was like, nah, and then Alex Rodriguez went to the Yankees instead. I mean, that's like the last time I remember anything close to this level of a big time player moving and chaos. Danny, correct me if you've got a different recollection here, but I, I woke up and I was like, what do you mean Carlos Correa is a Met? And like, there's two layers to this story, right? There's the... Carlos Correa not going to the Giants lair, which I think is huge for the San Francisco Giants. It means they did not land one of the impact bats that they needed in order to compete in an increasingly difficult to win NL West. But then there's the layer of like, I think the Mets have a payroll now that is $500 million and Steve Cohen just does not care. He's like, I'm going to pay all the luxury tax. Come at me. And I've been waiting for an owner to do this and I'm here for it. Let's start with that first part. What does this mean for the Giants? Danny, what do you think about this Correa situation? And aren't you glad that Jed Hoyer opted for a Prius instead of a Ferrari so the Cubs are not in the middle of this mess? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, Correa is, is a better player than Dansby Swanson. So, like, if we had gotten him, uh, that would have been exciting and everything. But, I, you know, just the way this is all going down, it seems like I don't know why. I want to know why. This just dropped. Why did the Giants uh, get cold feet on this? And was it that they got cold feet on this? Or was it that there really is something wrong with Correa? Because I kind of think they just got cold feet. They looked at this 13-year deal and they were like, actually, you know, kicking the tires and thinking about this and how things might shape up. I think we're going to go a different direction. I don't know if they've got to pay something something, or, the, or they just found something in the physical. They said it's something about his eyes. 
Did you hear this? No, I haven't heard. I, Danny, I'm literally playing catch up. So tell me what you got. I'll react nothing, real time. Nothing. I, I just, it, cause this just happened. Um, it, that I don't know what happened. Korea fever. Uh, oh, they didn't see eye to eye. No, there's, uh, there's an issue with <laughs> okay. Eye to eye is a metaphor. Introduction. Um, yeah, da, 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 da. medical issue was flagged. I mean, but what could it be? But it doesn't matter to the Mets. Well, that's the thing that's wild, right? I mean, if, if for for reference, people, the Mets are the team that used their number eight draft pick on Kumar Rocker in 2020. And then when they saw medical issues with Kumar Rocker, they were like, nah, we're not going to give you the $8 million signing bonus, slot bonus that you would have gotten in this pick. And they just right, lost right. their eighth round pick and punted to the next year. <laughs> now Kumar so Rocker's in the Rangers organization. Yeah, but that's kind of what I'm saying. It's like, so, I mean, the Mets, like, they, any team would care about this. They're not going to give 13 years to a guy who, like, you know, failed the eye test or, or <laughs> like, literally un-eye test or, or you know, it, it had some, you know, hamstring issue when they look at his soft tissue MRI or whatever the heck happened there. I kind of want to know, and I don't think we can really say what happened until we know what happened or, or parse it out. Now, as far as the Mets uh, spending all the money, Cohen, um, yeah, it's interesting. Like, I don't know how he has an endless supply of money to throw at this. He's a billionaire, so, like, if you if you had a billion dollars and you wanted to put out a team for one year that had $500 million, you'd still have 500 million. You know, that's the math on that. So like, that's still a lot of money. Definitely enough to pay your rent. Definitely enough to keep your car note going for Steve Cohen. So, you know, I I mean, yeah, go for it. See what this looks like. I know the other owners hate that and that's hilarious. So like, you know, and Ricketts, you know, He's never going to do this. Like you could just look at, and know <laughs> that, you know, he, I mean, the dude, you know, he shops at, at uh, you know, probably shops the sale rack at Brooks brothers. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm like, I'm looking at him and I'm just like, Oh God, if this is what's going to take it, you know, we're getting intelligent spending. Well, who's to say Steve Cohen's um, making, I mean, huge splash in New York, tons of millions and millions of people going to go to those games. Um, Queens is going to be rocking. Um, every everybody's going to be talking about the Mets every day in the biggest city in the country. Like, who's to say that's not intelligent spending? Well, I think it is intelligent spending, and and that's sort of what I want to get at here. But but before we do, I, I'm going to go back to this Korea situation for one second. To be clear, we have no idea what the medical issue is. The Giants didn't disclose. I think it would probably be um problematic if they did like we're all speculating on what one the medical issue is smaller than the other yeah, we're <laughs> all speculating on what the medical issue could be um He's i did balding. think it was really interesting you know saris over at the athletic who happens to live in the bay area and pays a lot of attention to both the giants and the athletics mentioned yeah. that this was very un-giants like like the way they canceled this press conference was one line that just said the press conference is canceled <laughs> And, and and he said that was notable because the Giants are tra- generally pretty transparent. They put a lot of information out to let people know what is going on. So the lack of information was notable to Sarah eye. The other person who I thought had really great information on this is Susan Slesser, who also covers sports in the Bay Area. And, and she noted explicitly that the issue was not Correa's back, which is the known injury risk that he had already brought to the table, but, but did not mention what the injury risk was, whatever it was, it was enough for the giants to basically lose out on any of the top 10 free agents. Right. I mean, they were rumored to be connected to Aaron judge. They were rumored to be connected obviously to Carlos Correa. And now they're sitting in a situation where I think the best free agent left on the board is Nathan Avaldi and most lists have him somewhere around 23, 24. I mean, the giants are, in a very bad situation here. I, I, it is a worse situation than the Cubs. The Cubs landing their man in Dansby Swanson is a better situation than if they had been in this Carlos Correa mess to my eye. As far as owners go, well, Danny, I'll let you react to that. Then I'll react to the owner payroll thing. Well, no, I mean, it, it just really depends on what's going on here. It's like, it, 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 
I want to know if the Giants got cold feet or if they really found something because those are two totally different scenarios. Okay, can I speculate a little bit? Yeah. Here's my speculation. That's what podcasts are for. Be- and this is 100% speculation. I have no sp- sourcing here, whatever. I do think it's interesting that the Mets deal for Correa is for one fewer year and about $35 million less total value than the contract that Correa w- had was supposed to sign with the Giants. It's a 12-year, $315 million deal as opposed to a 13-year, $350 million deal. My hunch is that perhaps there's something that requires some kind of correction surgery at some point down the road or could require a surgery down the road that would cost Correa a year of playing time-ish, right? Like something like a UCL, something like a shoulder, something something out there that can be fixed but takes a year away from your deal. And if it takes a year away from your deal at the beginning of that deal – because remember, that deal was like a $26, $27 million AAV over the life of the contract deal. They added extra years to it to make it stretch longer. But you lose a year at the beginning of the deal, that year is probably worth $35 million, not $27 million. And I think that's what the Mets took to Scott Boris, and Scott Boris said yes. So you think he's just going to have surgery tomorrow? I don't think, I mean, I don't know if he's going to have surgery tomorrow. It could be in two years, right? Like sometimes there are surgical issues that, you, you can play through a little bit, like Tatis with the shoulder, but eventually you want to get them fixed, right? Yeah. I think that there's probably something that could, co- could, maybe not even definitely, but could cost him a year of playing time. And the Giants flagged it and they were like trying to renegotiate. And as they were trying to renegotiate, the Mets swooped in and said, we'll give you this. And Boris said done. Yeah, but then now the Mets are going to look at him. And maybe they don't get it done either. I mean, it, it's true. just like, you know, so we're, this just happened this morning. I thought it was a joke. You know, that's how <laughs> rid- I did. I When I saw it happen, I was like, what? Like, who is this idiot? And then I saw they had a lot of followers and other people were saying it too. And I was like, huh. Hmm. So it's, um, it, it's just a real head scratcher. We'll find out, I've, you know, as time goes on, but um Something happened. We Something can, happened. We can, rep- we can report we, that. We can report that, that there was chaos. Um, but I want to go back to the, the billionaire chaos part of this because Steve Cohen is the richest owner in Major League Baseball. I think that his net worth is somewhere around $17 billion. He throws money around that Danny and I could never, ever imagine. He And, and to put this in perspective, I think the Ricketts fortune is valued at like 3 to $4 billion. Like they are, they are poor billionaires by comparison, to be clear. There are no poor billionaires, people. We will never, ever, ever cry over billionaires' dollars on this show. They're fine. They can afford all of the players and they should pay them to come play for the Chicago Cubs. So Danny and I can cheer for them. Um, But I think Steve Cohen is just here to buy himself a world series champion. And he does not care how much money it costs, which is why he is totally willing to push the payroll into the stratosphere. And frankly, good because the only thing that is going to make these other owners spend money and pay the contracts that the market dictates players are worth is other people being willing to pay those contracts. I think what we've seen so far in this offseason is a continued separation between the haves and have-nots in baseball. And and the Cubs are straddling the line right now. They're like, well, we kind of want to be in on the big free agents, but we also like don't want to spend and have a $200 million contract. Whatever shall we do? I really think they need to stop straddling the line. Because all of that is going to make them a third place team in a terrible division for a long time. If well, you want to win, mean, you got you got to pay for the best, most talented players. I'm Getty. looking at I'm looking at Twitter right now, and I see that Bob Nutting is trending is trending right now <laughs> from the Pirates. And so, like to your point, uh, I mean, you know, these guys are playing with different mindsets, different ways of going about it, and like. I think that's always been the case um, throughout history. And, you know, you had your Steinbrenners of the world that really uh, made other owners uncomfortable. And then you have these, you know, kind of uh, historical skin flints, you know, that like even um, going back to like Comiskey, you know, who owned the White Sox during the whole Black Sox scandal, you know, the 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 uh, word on him was he was just like a notorious skin flint and PK Wrigley, a skin flint, you know, they never want to spend money. And then you always had these guys that would, 
you know, and then, and um, so they try to, they've got their antitrust, they get together, they get, they had that championship belt. So they, and then there's always the one guy that, that they won't, I mean, I'm surprised they even let Cohen in. <laughs> I am too. No, I really you know? am. Cause the belt Danny is referring to is the, is the arbitration belt that they were handing out at winter meetings until they realized that this looked kind of collusion-y and they should really stop. That was an award for the front office that did the best job of limiting player salaries and arbitration. I mean, it's literally like what you imagine with a bunch of rich dudes sitting around a conference table, twiddling their thumbs and twisting their mustaches as they try to figure out the most evil ways to make the game of baseball progress. And and then you've got Steve Cohen. Steve Cohen enters the chat and he's like, I have money. And I'm going to pay it. And I don't care that I've already got a shortstop in Francisco Lindor. I'm going to sign Carlos Correa to be, I don't even know. Is he a third baseman, designated hitter? It doesn't matter. Like, he's a really good hitter. We're going to put him on the field somewhere. Yeah. No. It, and I think that's what they don't like because, you know, then you don't. Now you just don't have parity. And that's like the sad thing in a way when, when all these it's the world of the haves and the haves nots. And so you don't have parity at this situation. So you've got these powerhouse teams and we talked about it all last year on this show about the, you know, you've got these like couple of powerhouse teams that are seemingly unstoppable and then you have everybody else. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and right now, even though the Cubs and that, I think to your point of, you know, does Dansby Sponson move the needle? Sure. He's a solid player. You have him for a long time. Seems like he's got some pretty decent pop, but he's going to hit you 25 home runs, not 50, you know, right. He's going to hit, you know, so it's like, not that Correa is going to hit 50 home runs either. So he's probably not worth it. Like in some respects, you know, what he's, what Cohen's trying to do is just put the best possible team on the field right now. Like this might not last like who knows like how this ends up because, uh, <laughs> You know, that's a long contract for Correa. Like eventually, yeah. you know, they might be even figuring eating the last few years and not just like an injured year, just like, hey, it's, you know, he's, but who knows how it goes? We don't know. Like maybe it, it does hold up. You know, maybe they get, they let him do steroids like they let Pujols at the end of his career. Okay. Okay. Danny, Danny and the conspiracy theories today. Uh, I refuse to believe that 2030 is a real year that's going to happen, let alone 2034. That's just, that's just fiction. That's not yeah, really happening. That, that's a good point, Sarah, because, you know, billionaires might know something that we don't know. They're like, well, we'll be embroiled in the apocalypse and everybody will be dead in eight years. So what is, I'll give them a 50 year deal for all I care. Yeah. Right. You like, know, like will, will baseball persist into the 2030s? It's, it's still an open humanity. question. Uh, yeah. We are going to persist our way to a quick break for our sponsors. Yes, we do need some billionaires to pay our, our bills so that we can keep the lights on over here. But on the flip side, we're going to take a look at the Cubs rotation after they add Drew Smiley, uh, who they brought back to the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs, man, just continuing to build a rotation out of number three starters and hoping it will work. Uh, We're also going to take a a deep dive on these Zips projections. And I predict that Cubs Twitter is already melting down about these. But frankly, they, they look pretty solid to me. They look like exactly what I see from the Chicago Cubs team. But first, a quick break. All right, we are back. Uh, Danny, let's take a look. At the Cubs rotation, they brought back Drew Smiley. I was kind of hoping that they would bring back one of either Drew Smiley or Wade Miley. I thought when they were healthy, they were pretty good last year. Now, I was hoping they would do that in conjunction with signing Carlos Rodon, for example, who strikes out a lot of guys and throws 99 and and, and is wicked good. Uh, but they didn't do that. They, they decided that they would much rather have a rotation built on solid contact pitching uh, the Cubs certainly have a type, and if they're going to have that type, I'm really glad they have improved up the middle defense in the form of Dansby Swanson, Nico Horner, and Cody Bellinger, although they do definitely still need a catcher, and we'll talk about that here as well. So you're looking at a rotation as follows. I guess the Cubs ace, according to Zip's projections at least, is Marcus Stroman with a 3.6 F4 projected. Uh, then you got Jamison Tyon sitting there. Oh, just kidding. Justin Steele at 3.0. Uh, Fangraphs war, Jamison Tyon at 2.9, Fangraphs war. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, who Fangraphs still has penciled in there. I'm really, I mean, I want all good things for Kyle Hendricks. I hope he comes back and is amazing. And also, I would not be stunned if he doesn't 
um, if he still has issues uh, with the velocity concerns and shoulder issues and whatnot that have been going on with Kyle Hendricks, but I am certainly rooting for a Kyle Hendricks bounce back season. And then some combination, this seems pretty down on Hayden Wisniewski to me. I think Hayden Wisniewski is going to do a lot more than what Zips projects him for. Although I understand that Zips uses multi-year projections and that's why Wisniewski doesn't get quite the love that we would hope he gets um, from this projection system, but some combination of Samson Wisniewski and Javier Assad rounding out that Cubs rotation. Danny, this is a good collection of pitchers. I I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Ted Lilly yeah. would be the ace of this staff. <laughs> and yeah, that's ex- not how you build a pitching staff. Yeah, I mean, and you only have so many roster spots. And if, and I, if it's just going to be like the piggyback rotation, and then, I mean, the only guys that are really capable – of like giving you some, some real length in any of these games is pretty much Stroman and steel. Um, I guess Tyone uh, could, could do it, but I mean, these days, you know, the game's a five inning game for these guys, five, six innings, what you're looking for. And then you throw it up to the bullpen. Then you hope you have a couple guys that can give you two innings each. Maybe you have three pitchers on the day and you, you know, you have two guys doing two innings. Like, and that's how they're piecing it together with like, just a bunch of like kind of number five long relieving kind of guys where you're piggyback piggybacking everybody. Maybe even you see starter situations um, or um, opener situations. I mean, you know, where, Oh yeah, we're going to throw Keegan Thompson in there for three innings. And then, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I, I don't know. Like that seems to be the, the new kind of math on the whole situation. I don't know that I like it and I don't know that it makes you a very solid playoff team. Like that is the whole Jed Hoyer wants to be the Rays pitching staff that we're talking about. It is. It is exactly a, it is a very Rays situation uh, in the starting counts. rotation and the bullpen for the Cubs. We'll talk about the bullpen in a second. Cause there was an interesting signing there too, but first a little bit more on the rotation. I mean, the thing that worries me about this more than anything, and, and it's pretty obvious what the Cubs are trying to do here. I don't think there is a single guy and maybe steel might've, might've capped the K per nine over nine <laughs> uh, over the last season. But if he did, it was very, very slightly people. It was like he had a 9.29 or something like that. There is like one guy in this rotation who strikes out a batter per inning. Everybody else is like, yeah, hanging out in the seven to eight land. They're projected to hang out in the seven to eight land. This is a contact pitching staff. They're banking on two things as far as I can tell. They're banking on the ball staying dejuiced because in the world of the non-juiced ball, there are fewer home runs. You're just counting on your defense to make plays. And if you can do that, you get to number two, which is you just sign good defenders and then you give up fewer hits. You control the luck on batted balls in play. And you keep the game low enough scoring that hopefully the offense can get you enough runs. I am not convinced this offense can get the Cubs anywhere near (laughs) enough runs, but the defense contact pitching part of this is fine. The wild card, in my opinion, is that there's no shift anymore. And what we know about Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner and their plus defense at short is that all of it has occurred in an era where shifting was de rigueur. Like that is just the thing that people were doing on Anytime they could get an advantage out of it. And so I'm just not sure that the Cubs have, what does their defense look like in a world without the shift? And are they able to control the other team's ability to create runs in an environment where they can't position their infield to prevent any of those balls from getting to the outfield? Yeah, no, it's a good point. I mean, the only thing you could say is that other teams are going to have to deal with it too. So um, now whether our hitters can take advantage of it is a different question, but you know, you, you add some gold glove defense up the middle with Dansby, Swan- Dansby Swanson. I assume Horner's moving over to second base. Um, Nick Madrigal's on the bubble when it comes to that and some like combination of Mastroboni and, um, <laughs> Zach McKinstry and yeah. like, and then they, and they just picked up what's his face that we used to have, um, uh, well, there's Kiro's too, if you remember that guy. Dude. And then, um, God, who did they just pick up? Uh, went to the Astro, um, uh, Alcantara. Okay. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, uh, one of them. Uh, I forget which one. Um, I mean, Sergio. Sergio. <laughs> they just got him too. I'm like, I mean, I, I, I'm going to have to figure out a way to work Alcantara into this, but I've just basically been calling because they also Wait, picked no. up that dude from the. 
the from Atlanta, Rylan Bannon or whatever. I call them McKinstra Band Baroni. Like I'm just like they're just like one player. It's just like all the dudes who are the quad A might be a middle infielder, maybe can play some left field. You can stash him out there and get him in the game. Never gonna put up more than like a win above replacement. Why or why are there four guys taking up roster spots on That's this team? My point. To be yeah, that exactly. guy, like those are your most cuttable assets. Exactly. So, uh, you know, and maybe you work out a minor league deal or whatever you can do, or maybe another team ends they end up on another team, like all these guys have in other times. But yeah, I mean, you. The sad thing is, is like we we traded some pretty decent players for some of these other guys, and you're like, oh, so we got nothing, and then we just released him. And like the Cubs do that stuff all the time. They're like, yeah, we got rid of this valuable reliever. And then release the guy we got for him, like, you know, eight months later, it's like, you know, and it's, so then it's just salary dumping and I'm like, what am I looking at? And then, you know, but yeah, geez, what are we talking about again? Oh yeah. The pitching. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we were talking about defense with the pitching and the shift, but. Exactly. It's a, a, so you you moved Nico over, then you got the then puts all the other dudes on the bubble, and I guess it's gonna work out good because like Nico, he had some pretty decent range last year, and by some metrics, he was a very uh, solid shortstop for the Cubs last year. So, hey, can he do that at second? Probably. You know, maybe it's good to have shortstops everywhere at this point because now you. Maybe you're positioning your first baseman and your third baseman differently because there's no shift. Um, I mean, so you're going to be doing different things. You know they're looking at it. There's going to be a lot of trial and error, and maybe we won't even know throughout the entire first year like what we're looking at yet until people figure it out and get the data. I mean, it is worth noting that I, I don't think that the 2023 Cubs are, are world beaters. Dan Zabrowski says, right now, I think they're still one star away from forcing the division into a three-way dance. I think that is accurate. This is not a team that has a ton of star power on it. I don't know if Pete Crow Armstrong can come up at some point in 2024 and be that star. I don't know if they'll maybe actually sign a Devers or an Otani to be that star. I, I'm not holding my breath waiting for Jed Hoyer to do a big deal with either of those guys. But if they did, I think that would force it. Um, at the moment, the thing that I see looking at this Zips graphic, well, I, I don't totally want to go back to Zips yet, but is is there's just a, there's a, it's almost like a vacuum suck of value at the corners and at catcher. It's like everything looks pretty good. Shortstop, second base through the outfield, right? You got your Dansby Swanson, your Nico Horner, Hap Suzuki, Bellinger slash Morell in the, in the outfield. And then it's just like a sucking sound <laughs> around the infield. It's like yeah, PJ and Higgins saw... and Jan Gomes. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, well, the yeah, Rebus Mervis Wisdom Platoon at first is just like tear my heart out and stomp on it. Yeah, 0.7 at first base, which is traditionally kind of like where you put a power guy, you know, just big dude that doesn't have to move around a lot, but that can suck him out of the park. And you're getting what he 0.7 war out of three players there. Now people are looking at that and getting all mad that Mervis should be more highly uh, touted by this. And I just don't think we know. It's just, he came out of nowhere. He had the year, you know, is he toughy roads? Like, I don't know. Nobody knows. So we just got to wait and see. Wouldn't it be great if you got a few more war out of there? Absolutely. But I mean, Hey, play your way on to starting every day. Right. You know, like let's, let's do that. Um, I wonder if like, but yeah, there's just this roster crunch of mediocrity and you, you got to either start releasing people and adding higher caliber players, or you're, you're going to have a 500 baseball team last next year with hopes of a few guys. Um, or less even with hopes of a few guys breaking out to change that scenario. Like Wisniewski has a banner year wins rookie of the year. It's incredible. Um, You know, it's he's worth five wars starting pitcher. Like everybody's amazed and the Cubs get to the playoffs somehow. They start adding in the middle of the year and, you know, making trades. But like even like these guys, like does wisdom even have like his trade value, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but that's because he doesn't make any money. His, he has trade value because he hits 25 plus home runs a season and he makes the Next league minimum. minimum. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that's why Wisdom has trade value. I Yeah, but get take something you have 
you know, some value from, or maybe too many guys that are all kind of doing the same thing and like, you know, trade, so trade, I, I, you know, I hate to see any of these guys go in some ways and so do the Cubs, but like at some point, like who pick one, you know, like, like I'm looking at this here, they got Velazquez, Mervis, Canario, possibly if you can get back from the injury as DH. Wisdom, Morel, and McKinstry all giving you 1.8 war. You've got Revis and Mervis and then Wisdom at first base, like in the platoon. You know, just you, you're right. It's like a suck. So, like, but you've got like not one person sucking it out. You got like nine roster spots right. sucking in this giant sucking sound. You know, like what it, it's all the same. It's all equal caliber. Um, you know, league average or slightly there above players. You got to upgrade from there. And I don't know how they're going to do it without a trade or then you're going to have to give up something in your minor leagues to upgrade one of these guys. And then you just release them, you know, or whatever. So well, I don't know. And, and, and a trade a trade is possible, but like, I think that people are missing where trades could come from. And, and I want to talk about two guys here in terms of trade rumors, because this is where I think the Cubs would or could trade from. And frankly, I don't want to lose either of these guys. Um, Ian Happ is on the last year of his deal. If they're not going to get an extension done with Ian Happ, his value will never be higher. And they need a catcher, right? Like left field is a place that you can fill with some other guys. Catcher really isn't. Like you can't just throw one of these guys behind the plate and hope they're going to call a good game and be able to control the running game. If you're not going to extend Ian Happ sometime between now and when the games start happening in March, that's the guy that should move. And and there's a natural fit with the Blue Jays who have a surplus of catching, right? The other guy who teams might be interested in, who I know I would be interested in, who the Cubs should not trade, in my opinion, is Christopher Morrell. Because the Cubs have Christopher Morrell penciled in for like part-time playing time in center, part-time playing time at third, part-time playing time uh, in short and at second, relieving Swanson and Horner, giving them a day off here or there. I think Christopher Morrell has loud, loud tools, man. He is 23 years old. He is one of the fastest dudes in the league. He throws the ball hardest in the league. Like when you look at the outliers at second base and in the outfield in terms of the fa- the arm speed, which I was just looking at because Dansby Swanson is an outlier in the other direction at the bad end of the board. Christopher Morrell is the dude who is the dot that is the outlier at second base uh, in the good end of the board there. And he hits the ball wicked hard. Like the max EV is off the chart. His, his max EV, his sprint speed, his barrel stuff, like all of that is very good for Christopher Burrell, but still very young. Hasn't figured out off speed and breaking stuff yet. If I were the Cubs, I would abandon this like platoon situation at third base and just let Christopher Morrell play the game at third. Uh, our Josh Timmers, the minor league guy over at Bleed Cubby Blue, says that Morrell is a very good third baseman. That's his natural position. It's where he's played most of his minor league games. I know that the defensive metrics don't look so great there for his brief time in the majors in 2022, but I think that's more a function of him moving all over the field and, frankly, not getting very much playing time at his natural position. Let's just see what Christopher Morrell can do at third. But I, if you're not going to do that, if you're going to just like slot him in for a part-time playing time between Zach McKinstry and Master Bioni and Ryland Bannon and Alfonso Rivas or whatever, trade him so he gets playing time somewhere else because I think Christopher Morrell could be a star. Yeah. No, I, I and I really like him too. I think he could be a fan favorite as well. He already is a favorite of mine on the team. Uh, he's got an infectious smile. He's super nice. Uh, I've talked to him a few times. Um, he came and saw the Bleacher Bum Band, so like <laughs> you just made a fan of me. Um, yeah, I, I would love for the, him to get a shot. Now, from a baseball side of things, too, I mean, that exciting uh, debut that he had when he hit that home run and went kind of garbage time in a game, but still he did it. And um, just, um, yeah, I, I can I can see it playing. Yeah, all those things you said, you know, all the tools that he's playing with, very talented guy, and he believes in himself. And he's working hard to stay here. And um, I don't know. Let's let, yeah, let's see how it works. I, I, I feel that way about wisdom. Put him on, make him like you wanted that platoon, 
let him just face lefties and put Mervis in there at right and let give Morel the everyday third base job. I agree with that. And like stick, quit playing around with these other situations, um, you know, I, and, and get a catcher out of, uh, I don't know who you got to trade. Probably half. Maybe it's probably yeah, half yeah, if well, you're not going to extend him. And I, I, I would mean, love yeah, to see him. Yeah. That's more what I was going to go with is like, I'd rather see half extended is, but, I mean, I guess you would have to trade half though. And then, but then you could just like throw, or you can sign, you can sign Tucker Barnhart. Don't trade with the Jays for like a Jansen or an Alejandro Kirk. Just like go out and be like, look, we're going to suck at catcher this year. That's fine. It's the last year of Jan Gomes' contract and we have a plan, I guess. I don't know. Miguel Amaya has been the plan for five years now. Um, But, you know, maybe you sign Tucker Barnhart. Danny, I want to go back to Chris. While we're talking about Christopher Morell, I want to go to a part of this Zips projection that I don't know if people spend a lot of time in, but I spend a lot of time in it because that's how I like to roll. And that is these player comps. Uh, One of the cool things you can do with Zips is you can compare, like, where the hitters live and where the pitchers live for player comps. And frankly, I look at this, and I have been one of the people out there saying that the Cubs are very far away from competing. But it wasn't until I looked at these hitter and pitcher comps that I was like, oh, dear God, the Cubs are so far away from competing. But I'm going to start with the good news before we get to the bad news. And that is Christopher Morrell's playing comp, because this is the most random collection of dudes that I've ever seen in my life. He has three. Hit comp one, Alonzo Powell. I have never heard of him. I don't know who that is. Hit comp two, Michael Coleman. I have never heard of him. I don't know who that is. Hit comp three, Sammy Sosa. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Amazing. Pre-Wright like Sosa that... was a 2020 guy. Let's do it. Did you see that um, uh, Esteban Quiroz is uh, his hit comp three is Daniel Descalso? Nice. So there's an outside chance Esteban Quiroz might be Daniel Descalso. That's great. Well, at least well, at least Quiroz plays in some games. I can say uh, I can't say that for Descalso. <laughs> I mean, these are very bad people. We're, let's start with the Cubs' latest acquisition, the newest Cub, Dansby Swanson. Hit comp one is Ian Desmond. And, like, <laughs> this is so – this is such kryptonite that Zimbrowski had to, like, have a caveat in the text of the article to explain that an Ian Desmond comp is not necessarily a bad thing. Like, he – actually played out his worst possible percentile projection with the Rockies at the end of that deal. So it's not like this is saying Swanson is going to be the worst of Ian Desmond. It's saying he could be like the better part of Ian Desmond's projection. But like, honest to God, the Cubs just gave, just like signed a deal for seven years, $177 million for a guy who comps as Ian Desmond, Pinky Higgins or Travis Jackson. And I'm like, I watch a lot of baseball. And if my life depended on knowing who Pinky Higgins was, Danny, I would die. I, I do miss those old baseball names. I, I'll look up Pinky Higgins while we're talking about this. But um, yeah, it, none of these players uh, are household names. Um, Pinky Higgins played from 1930 to 1946 for uh, Philadelphia Athletics, the Boston uh, Red Sox and then the Detroit uh, and then Detroit, the Boston again, he uh, played in a bunch of games, uh, actually a career OPS of 798 and OPS plus of 107. That's pretty good. So it's pretty good. So you're you're going to take that. Um, I mean, it's a totally different era, not in uh, oh, and he missed a year in 1945 uh, in the military winning the World War Two. So I, I don't know. Fighting I don't Nazis. Know if that counts in, it counts in my Nazis, book. Yeah, I or that. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if uh, that counts in his war, but it should. I think the war um, should definitely count in your war. Yeah, exactly. Does the war count in war? Um, <laughs> we are uh, off but the rails yeah, here, people. Merry Christmas. <laughs> but he, but he played till he was thirty-seven. He played uh, uh, in nineteen forty-six after coming back from said war, and but you no, know, he was a solid, uh, solid ball player for many years. Made an all-star team the year he, before he went to war. And he probably made the all-star team because the best players in the major leagues were already at war. So whatever they needed somebody potato, to potato. play in that game. Either way, he's a, he's a former all-star just like Ron Coomer. Um, 
So, uh, no, solid player. And that's, I think, the thing about uh, Dansby Swanson is that he is solid. He's a solid player. He's going to go out there. And he, he played in all 162 last year, plus went to the playoffs, um, won a World Series. He's done nothing but win everywhere he's gone. Um, you know, is he, uh, is he a player that's going to make the Hall of Fame? Probably not. He probably right. won't have Hall of Fame numbers at the end of all this. But w- could he be a really solid player and a fan favorite on a team that someday will go deep into the playoffs and have a chance to win another World Series for us? Yeah, I could see that being the case. So do I I, I don't mind the like it would be scary if it was 13 years of Dansby Swanson because we saw them crying about Jason Hayward's contract this oh, whole God. time. And so uh, Mets aren't operating like that. They're like, oh, well, we have a bad contract, whatever. We'll just cut the guy, pay the money, new, you know, get a new one in there. You know, like how the Dodgers operated. Oh, Trevor Bauer is a complete insane person that like should be in jail. Okay, forget him uh, and all the money we spent on him. We'll just get Max Scherzer. You know, like that's how they work. Right. So, Which um, is how, how I wish the Cubs would work because the Cubs certainly have – that type of money. I want to do a few more of these player comps though. Cause I think they're fun. Uh, our oh, yeah, friend, Ian, our friend Ian Happ, uh, player comp number one and three are kind of like, like, well, three is actually pretty good. One is like, whatever. I don't know who Jim Russell is. Danny can look him up if he wants, but let's, let's focus on two and three. Cause there's some Cubs. There's some Cubs DNA here. Number two is Chili Davis, who I know mm. Cubs fans love for his time as the, as the Cubs hitting, hitting coach number four, <laughs> was it three? I don't remember. Like in the rotating cast of Cubs hitting coaches. And number three is Gary Matthews, man, the Sarge. Like, let's let's go. Nice. Ian Happ and the Sarge. This is probably the best line across the whole board. What do we think about that yeah. Ian Happ can't come? Yeah, well, it, Gary Matthews was who I modeled myself after when I used to play <laughs> Little League. The, and because he would always try to get up there and take a walk or something, you know, like either he was going to try to. So I because he was always dancing all around. His bat was always swinging everywhere. And, uh, you know, it, to distract, I thought that's why he was doing it. It was to distract the pitcher. And uh, so that's I, I would do that. And also remember when he would run, he would flip his batting helmet off and he didn't like running with that helmet on half the time. So I do the same thing. And I'm surprised, like in this day and age, like you see a kid flip his batting helmet off. He's probably benched for the day, you know, because it's a safety issue. But back then I was like, no, man, I'm Gary Matthews. <laughs> you know, I'm going to flip my Matthews. helmet off. So and I I told him that one time I told Gary to his face that I used to model myself after him and uh, he got tears in his eyes and Aww. he looked at me and he was so moved by that and so um, so yeah you got to extend Ian Happ because I could see Ian Happ sitting there drunk at the bar getting tears in his eyes when some kid tells him that when I tried to be like Ian Happ and that's why I'm a switch hitter or whatever it would be you know um, so yeah I like those comps very yeah. cool stuff. Extend the in hat, people. We are here for it. Uh, let's do a couple more of the Seiya Suzuki. Uh, number one comp, man, Harrison Bader. Why are you doing this to me, Dan? Like, Dan, this is just, you can't comp the Cub. If anybody on this Cubs team has a chance to be a guy, it is Seiya Suzuki. And they're comping him to Harrison Bader, and it makes me sad. Uh, number two is Benny Agbayani, who I remember kind of fondly. Like, not I, I don't have bad memories of Benny Agbayani. And, and then... Uh, Pete Reiser, and, th- and that's all I got. Yeah, not much there. <laughs> it's not that exciting. I mean, it's a little disappointing considering like that's another guy we're supposed to like. You want to see like say a Suzuki comparison, Babe Ruth comparison. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't Hank have Aaron. to be Babe Ruth. Can it be like I don't know who's another great Yankees? Like, what if I had I don't know Joe DiMaggio? Like, I don't know Can Joe I DiMaggio. Get- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can I get something a ben tiny Williams. bit more exciting? Yeah, <laughs> like who? I want to know who Ted Williams is compared to. Unfortunately, Nobody, because Ted Williams yeah. <laughs> would have had a 400 batting average, probably Tony Gwynn. And that's it. That's the comp. Um, yeah. All right. The last one I want to do here, just for old time's sake, Jan Gomes, his number one comp, Michael Barrett. And what I want to know is what White Sox catcher is Jan Gomes going to punch out in 2023? Yeah. And what Cubs pitcher is Jan Gomes going to get into a fight with in the dugout? <laughs> my favorite well. Michael Barrett moment. I celebrate it every time when we back in the day when the Cubs used to be bound for the playoffs and they had a magic number. Every time the magic number would get to five, I was like, it's Michael Barrett day. Let's celebrate Michael Barrett. The time that he punched AJ Pruszynski in the face. 
Um, that was pretty great. The pitching comparisons here are also sort of wild, and I want to just go through a few of them. Uh, Marcus Stroman, pitch count number one is some guy named Frank Larry. I don't know, man. I don't know who that is. Pitch count number three is Larry Jackson. I also don't know who that is. But number two is Roy Halladay, and I am here for Roy Halladay. Yeah, and Larry Jackson was good. I think I kind of heard of that guy. I think he's from the 80s and stuff. He played for maybe the Rangers or some Texas team, I want to say. Um, uh, yeah, you'll take it. Well, I think it was Justin Steele. Can we? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Pitch comp, pitch comp number three is Tommy Lasorda. <laughs> it can't be the same Tom Lasorda because just Tommy Lasorda wasn't even a pitcher. <laughs> Maybe That's gonna, there's got to be a different guy. <laughs> that would be fascinate me that there's two Tom Lasordas. I mean, you know, the the best comp on this board though, by far, is Advert Alzali's number one comp, which is Steve Stone. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> That's beautiful. Love it. I mean, Alzali and Stone, man. I, the other one that I want to talk about, the newest Cubs pitcher. Lasorda was a pitcher, by the way. I thought huh. he was a shortstop always. Yeah, he was wow. a pitcher. Well, Not a very good one, but he, well, he did it. <laughs> but but it happened. Um, the other one I want to talk about here, because there are some names here people will rem- will know and, and have some opinions on. Jamison Tyon comps as uh, Jordan Zimmerman, Jeff Samarja, and Anthony DiScalfani. And... One of the, well, some of those are interesting to me, depending on the year. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. When are, when are exactly we talk about these guys or is this like all career? Like, is this like early or... giants, Jeff Samarja, or is this like late giants, Jeff Samarja? <laughs> yeah. And Di Sclafani is one of those guys on the reds that had a lot of hope and definitely had some tools, but yeah, never really panned out for them. Yeah. Uh, you can so. check out all of these over on Fangraphs. Have some fun with those player comps. If you figure out who some of these guys are, like Sandy Vance, who I've never heard of, like let us know. We're happy. We're always happy to hear about it on social media. Good baseball that, names. Yeah, these are great baseball names. The last thing that I want to talk about is the Cubs bullpen, um, which you know, Danny also kind of like the pitching staff. Not great, but they did add to it recently. They added Brad Boxberger. This is a very Hoyer move. It's a guy who has some closing experience. He had. 30 plus saves in both 2015 and 2018. He has been with the Brewers the last couple of seasons as a setup man. He does strike out quite a few guys, although it's not really clear how, like his pitches don't really look like plus pitches, but he's got a lot of them and all of them are good enough that he winds out striking out a bunch of guys. So that's cool. He definitely helps this bullpen. He adds some, some closing experience, which is something the bullpen lacked. However, man, I don't know. I think this bullpen could still use one more guy because right now you got maybe two right now. You got Brandon Hughes, Manny Rodriguez, Brad Boxberger, Rowan Wick, Adbert Alzali, who I think is a wild card here. Like he could be really interesting in the pen, particularly if he figures out how to get another gear on his stuff and winds out striking out lefties instead of giving up home runs to them. Mark Leiter Jr., Michael Rucker, Keegan Thompson, and and Cody Hoyer, who I also think has some real star potential there. I would bet that the vast majority of war that is being derived from this spot is coming from Cody Hoyer and maybe Alzali Boxberger projections, but that's just a hunch on my part. What do you see in this bullpen, Danny? Well, also like M- Manny Rodriguez too. He throws real hard. And who's that guy that came up and, uh, and just was a flamethrower, but you kind of didn't know where it was going. I I mean, okay. I was going to say Manny Rodriguez, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, You're no, thinking of somebody else. No, there's him and then there. There was another guy that they got. It's I'm, I'm trying to look at it right now, but there's so many names on this thing. It wasn't Anderson Espinosa, was it? No, Espinosa's back no. with the Padres. He's he was uh, released by the Cubs, and he is back with the Padres. Well, he's still on this list. And well, anyway, he it's be. like, yeah, it's just like it's kind of like a who's who, a who's that, and it's like any bullpen. They're just gonna kind of figure it out, and then like. Ross is going to have his circle of trust and all that stuff. But the thing that concerns me about Boxberger and being the big add to this is that he, over the last two years, the Brewers basically threw his arm off. Uh, so 60, you, you mentioned that 64, 64. And, yeah. Yeah. So, and here's who I'm t- t- talking about. Jeremiah Estrada. Oh yeah. I like that Jeremiah guy. Estrada. Be interesting too. He's got yeah, some, I mean, his stuff is hard. good. His stuff is real good. Yeah. So we just don't know. Like it's, they're so young. It's like, it's like, you know, Pedro Strope before we we knew he was Pedro Strope. Like, we don't know. One of these guys may emerge and be that guy. You know, they're like, oh, he, he added this pitch in the offseason. Now he's devastating, you know, and the Cubs may know this. They're not obviously telling everybody about it because they want to surprise the league when they send him out there. 
um, with their new with their pitch lab a special or whatever they're doing. But like we don't know. One of these guys could very well be the next Pedro Strope. And like, you know, you're right. Like Alzali might end up being the closer or something. You know, like we don't really know how this is going to go down. They've got a lot of talent. They drafted a lot of arms over the last bunch of years. They got the pitch lab working. We've seen some of these guys start to emerge. Um, you add, you know, so you maybe add to that with a couple of like know-how arms like Boxberger who can teach them about some stuff because you need that kind of veteran dude down there. That's like an extra coach kind of thing, you know, telling these kids what to do and how to operate. So, um, I mean, I just think there's so many wild cards and question marks on this entire Cubs team especially out of the bullpen and the young pitching staff that it's just impossible to know how to value it. I agree with that. And I think the other thing that I saw looking at this, and I've been saying this for a while now, but I think these player comps really drove at home. Like there's not a stud in the system yet, right? Like even the Pete Crow Armstrong comps are pretty underwhelming. Like the Brennan Davis comps are pretty underwhelming. This is not a farm system that has, Chris Bryant and Kyle Schwarber and Javier Baez and Jorge Soler in it. it. It's it's a very different farm system than what the Cubs had in 2014 and 2015. And they are still probably two impact players away from getting it done. And, and maybe one of those impact players is a next level for a Seiya Suzuki. It's a next level for a Nico Horner or something like that. And I'm here for that. That would be really cool. But you would still need to go out and sign a Raphael Devers or a Shohei Otani to really move this team to the next level. And I just, I don't know if this, this front office and this ownership group has a $300 million contract in them. They, they have literally never done a free agent signing or an extension for more than the Jason Hayward deal. And I think people need to keep that in mind as they look at what this team could do. Like, are we the white Sox where our biggest contract is like five years, $70 million? No, but also the Cubs aren't that much better. (laughs) They're just the next tier in major league baseball where the tiers are rapidly moving the Steve Cohen direction. Yeah. Shopping the sale rack at Brooks brothers. Uh, Let's end on a high note though, because I, one note that I saw yesterday that may have flown under the radar with all the Korea news, uh, Joe Doyle, who's a minor league uh, international guy um, noted that the Cubs are the favorites to sign Dominican shortstop Fernando Cruz, who is the top prospect in the 2024 international free agent period. He is described as a quote unquote total package with a solid hit tool, hits for power, plus athlete, true shortstop, 55 runner, a chance for five tool player, a consensus number one guy. And honestly, that would be huge. Getting getting the top of the free agent market in the international free agent signing period would be a big move for the Cubs. So get it. Go do it. Yeah. Yeah. The more, more talent, the better, you know, he, you can join the other teenagers that we got for you, Darvish. And we'll figure <laughs> this out later. I think he's a um, little older than yeah, them, but yeah, that's good. That's, I mean, how soon are we seeing somebody like, like him? I don't know, man. I, I mean, I, the guy that I, that I thought of here was Christian Hernandez, who I think is the number five or six prospect in the Cubs system right now. And last time I looked, his ETA was 2024, 2025. So that sort of was what, what, I was reminded of here, but I do like hearing that the Cubs are in on the top of the international free agent market. That is where uh, Hoyer and Epstein built a ton of value in their early days with the Cubs and, and in their time with the Red Sox. So I'd like to see them get a handle on that market again. If they do, you know, we will be talking about it on social media and on Cup of Cubby Blue. Danny, where can people find you uh, if the Cubs land Fernando Cruz? Well, uh, you, you can find me at Sunranto on Twitter and uh, we're actually throwing tonight our big uh, Christmas special where um, all the ranters have sent in uh, Cubs carols and they are competing to win a Leo DeRocher baseball card Woo. Uh, in near mint, in near mint condition. <laughs> so um, it's worth like 50 bucks. So yeah. I, I, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Hey, it's a Sun Ranto show. Like we don't, we don't have that Chuggo money or that bleed cubby blue money over oh, there. Please. Uh, <laughs> just rouse over there, rolling in it all the yeah, time. Right. Um, so uh, no, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun tonight. And so Sarah, I will say that you still have an opportunity if you have some time on your hands to enter the con- competition that goes live tonight, all you got to do is write a uh, Cubs Christmas parody and sing it on a video and send it to me. And you could be the sleeper winner. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll, I'll see if I can get my parody songwriting uh, 
together in the next couple of hours. And if I do, I'll certainly send it to Danny. You'll see it on my my accounts at BCB underscore Sarah pretty much everywhere. Uh, Twitter for the most part these days, although I am trying out the Mastodon world and the post world and the TikTok world. I have not TikTok yet, but I, I plan to at some point. We'll see if I can I love figure out how to TikTok. Um, Follow me on TikTok, Danny Rocket at t- TikTok. Instagram, you know, like if, if Twitter's going to collapse, I've got some contingency plans going on, but Twitter is the main place to find me and my writing these days. Danny and I are, you know, hopeful about the Chicago Cubs. Things are looking better with Dansby Swanson than they were before, but let's be realistic. This is still probably a 75 win team, maybe 80 if everything all breaks right. If the Cubs sign somebody that will push them over the top and back into contention, we will be talking about it here. But until next time.